0: Jane Midwinter spent her professional life as a teacher in local schools. When, in her late 40s, she started to develop symptoms of menopause, she was surprised to find out how little information on such an important subject was readily available and easily accessible for women in her situation. That's when she set up the website Hot Women at Menopause, and since then she's become an associate trainer with Hen Picked, Menopause in the Workplace, and she's a menopause coach. Jane now writes a monthly column on the subject for Hastings and Focus. I sat down with her recently to find out how times are changing and how Jane is determined to get us all involved in a conversation on a subject that, until now, has been either taboo or the butt of a comedian's jokes. I'm Stuart Bailey, this is Hastings and Focus, and we're discussing the burning issue. In terms of a conversation around menopause, how difficult is it to get that started and keep it running?
1: When I started um, the conversation about four years ago, it was really difficult. I think everybody thought I was completely balmy. It's not a subject, or it wasn't a subject, people wanted to talk about, and I think that's still the case for some, some people. I'll give you an example. I held a coffee morning for some women. To discuss menopause, Um, I just set up Hot Women at Menopause and I was running events and giving talks. And I invited uh, women along, um, nice sunny morning, um, Eastbourne Seafront. One of the women that turned up I had known for some years and she said to me, I've just bumped into an old friend, a male friend. He'd said, oh, hello, where, you know, where are you off to this morning? And she said, oh, I'm going to a menopause coffee morning. And she said he literally took a step back, put his arms up and looked, and went looked very, very embarrassed, looked very red, very, didn't know what to say. She sort of you know, fudged it and then walked on. But I think that, that is a very good example of how a lot of people were feeling about it. Getting that conversation started wasn't easy. Um, I think there's a lot of negative stories around menopause, a lot of stigma attached to it. Women, some women, um, certainly then, not so much now, were perhaps felt embarrassed to talk Mm. about it. Um, And, you know, we we know that sort of, you know, women's troubles or, you know, that kind of thing, the change. Um,
0: All said in whispered tones. All said
1: in whispered tones. So I think that um, it certainly wasn't a normal conversation.
0: And you set up Hot Women at Menopause. That's your website. Yes. When did you set that up and, and, and why? What What was the driving force behind doing that?
1: Okay, a little bit of background to this. I was in a career in teaching. Uh, latterly as a head teacher, and loving my career. Circumstances changed for me. I was having to care for my husband for a little while. He was um, suffering with a, a serious illness. As he grew in strength and, and, and became well, I stopped working for a period of time to, to care for him. And then when he was well, um, my menopause symptoms just hit me um, really hard. I, I felt very ill, very unwell. And overwhelmed by the symptoms that I had. And I've since learned that stress um, and menopause um, aren't friends. That's one of the, the sayings that a, a colleague of mine says. And and it's true, um, you know, stress does make things a lot worse. But I was going through a really difficult menopause and finding just not finding the information that I needed I didn't know what was the best way of managing my menopause Um, I'm not one to immediately turn to medication I try and look at the big picture what is the and I couldn't find accurate information um, from anywhere so so I set about doing a lot of research um, and actually have since retrained but I think that that research took me on a on a new path, gave me a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, My career as a teacher had finished. I decided not to go back to that. Um, As as a head, the menopause symptoms I was experiencing, just, I, I wasn't able to function at the time as well as I had been. So I think that it gave me a new opportunity and I thought, it just felt so important to share the information that I had learned to manage my symptoms and my menopause um, with with others, mm. I'd always been part of you know, my whole life. My career was about working with people, contributing to the community, um, and I have this you know real sort of sense of fairness and justice. And I was thought this is so wrong. Mm. I should be able to continue we should have the, a support mechanism and this is half the population we're talking about here and it doesn't just affect women of course it affects the other half yeah. as well because we all know a woman um and so it 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 gave me the opportunity to share that information i had the skill set i suppose i've always been a bit of a leader one to stand up and and talk about things and I thought, I can make this happen. I can change things. I can change this conversation. I can start talking about it. I wanted women like me to have the right information so that they could thrive in work. They could carry on with whatever they wanted to do in life. Um, and I think that was, that's what really drove me to do it. And, and the Hot Women at Menopause was a, initially a website, a platform of information. Um, and then that led to talks and events.
0: And I suppose there's there's two sides to that. I mean, one, you, your background, your teaching background obviously gave you the skills to go and research and find out the information that many women would not be in a position to do. But if women can't find information about menopause and symptoms and how to cope with it, then employers and their partners could have been in an even more difficult position in terms of finding information about what to do to cope.
1: Absolutely. And... My, I suppose, lucky break, um, I mean, it's a real privilege now. I, I work with um, Deborah Garlick, who is the founder of Henpicked Menopause in the Workplace, and I'm a, um, a menopause trainer with the team. De- Deborah and I have, and, and all of the team, and they're all amazing women, um, and they all have different stories but come together with this shared story. The beauty of what I do now, so alongside Hot Women at Menopause, which is my writing and, and working with women individually and supporting in that way with events and talks, I can also now support um, employers. Mm. And you know, before lockdown, my patch was sort of London Southeast, and was working with some you know some wonderful organisations who were taking this on board. There's a strong link with mental health and employee well-being here, of course, and so it was just wonderful to be given that opportunity to do that Uh, we've all retrained now and we are running those webinars and that training online thank goodness and busier now than than we were this time last year so um it hasn't stopped and more and more people want to get the right information so they can support their employees and their colleagues
0: is it going to be a sort of um a gathering momentum thing, that the more people who do it, yes, the more so. people will talk about it, the more people will find out about it, and then you'll, yes. you'll have more people coming, coming yes, on board. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: One of the things that strikes me when, when we look at an issue like menopause is that we almost treat it as being an illness, um, and I presume that's not how you want it to be seen, you want it to be seen as as, as part a natural part of a woman's life.
1: Yes, it is. Um, that's exactly. I think. I think there there are lots of negative uh, narrative around menopause, and we're trying to change that conversation. We're trying to tra- change that culture which has evolved. Um, I think that it's. I think it's important to recognise that some menopause um, isn't necessarily the most natural phase of a woman's life if menopause has been induced or um, through you know surgery or illness or various treatments but um, what's interesting is if we think about a woman's um, life expectancy now it's 83 a hundred years ago life expectancy for women was about 59 mm-hmm. women menopaused at the age of about 57. So it was kind of the beginning of the end. It, was, it came at the end of their lives. Mm. Menopause now, on average, for most women, happens between the ages of 45 and 55. So if you think about that, then we have almost half our lives still to come.
0: Mm.
1: Now, because of that change, because women are living longer, because women are working longer and are in roles in work which are often in leadership roles or um, they have a lot of experience at that age. So I think that um, it's important that we change that whole um, idea that menopause is the beginning of the end. It is a phase in a woman's life um, and we go through cycles of life. We go through puberty, um, through adulthood, through many of us through pregnancy, um, and then menopause. Menopause is only, I think, last September, went on the school curriculum, the secondary school curriculum. Really? Yes. It was never discussed before that. We And I think that that, that gives it that kind of mystery. It just mm-hmm. wasn't part of our education. I got to menopause and I started symptoms just the odd hot flush and what have you at the end at the age of sort of late 40s and uh, I, I didn't know anything about it and most women it just hits women because they don't have that education. Things will change with it being on the curriculum with it being, I mean, if you look in the news now, it's everywhere, isn't it? That a lot of celebrities um, are, have jumped on the bandwagon, you know, for good reasons, actually, and are and, and really, you know, sort of um, raising awareness in that way. And they're in a position to be able to do that, which is great. So um, I think there's, there's a huge culture shift here because there has to be. You know, we need women to work longer. You know, we are the f- fastest growing demographic, you know, yeah. women of that age, so in, in the workforce. I think we, you know, we need that workforce, we need women to be able to thrive and, and uh, continue with, with their working lives, their professional lives. Um, and, and so the, it's become more urgent, it's like when you have a, you know, things become important and urgent and talked about when they become a priority, don't they? Yeah. And the priorities kind of work their way to the top um, of the pile. And I think we're at the top of the pile it is urgent and important.
0: Because an interesting figure I picked up in preparing for this interview was that somewhere around 58% of women will not speak to their husband, partner, whatever, about menopausal symptoms. Um, and that again seemed just staggering. I know. That you're talking of such a... And this goes back to, to that thing about conversation and about introducing menopause to school, menopause to the curriculum. Yes to be able to speak about it in in, a, in, a, in a, an open and frank way.
1: Yes, and I've got a little example here. Of a, um, it's a lovely little story. I went to a, um, a small business breakfast about a year ago. I went to talk about menopause and hot women at menopause. It was a local breakfast, and I walked in, and I was the only woman there. Um, there are about... I don't know, 12, 15 men, aged between 30 and 60, I suppose. And my first thoughts were, oh, goodness me. Um, don't How
0: do I, I deal with I it?
1: Don't, don't think I'm going to talk about menopause today, just have my <laughs> breakfast. And then I thought, oh no, what a great opportunity. Mm. I think they were a little bit flawed because there weren't many people there. And they asked us if, we, if anyone wanted to, to talk or give a presentation. As I always do, I put my hand up <laughs> and said, I'd love to give a presentation. Yeah. And I gave this presentation. It was not just menopause at work, but just menopause generally about women's health. And um, when I started talking, people make these sort of physical steps back. Mm. And I could see people, sort of, these men, sort of sitting back, looking down, holding their head in their hands, looking at each other. Um, very embarrassed. But I carried on talking um, fairly gently about it and opened the conversation up. And at the end, I was asked to um, give another talk and people were coming up and thanking me and saying, mm. I'm now going to go home and share this with my wife because um, you know it was almost like there was a bit of a light bulb moment for mm. some of these men. And they found it helpful because they weren't sure how to tackle various situations at home or at work. And they recognized some of the things that I was saying. So that was really interesting, and it was a bit of a breakthrough, really, and gave me confidence to go on and think, actually, it doesn't matter about, you know, talking to one person, male or female, everybody is affected and everybody, I think, has a kind of responsibility to know about it. Mm.
0: And I think that issue about going and speaking to that group of men, because I had a business colleague, and she had picked up some bits and pieces about menopause. But I remember her saying to me that if she hadn't known about memory loss, she would have been seriously worried, because that was one of the biggest effects that she'd had. And she'd gone from having... Lightning sharp memory to suddenly forgetting some really basic things yes. and she said that would have been a very scary thing if she hadn't had the advanced information so yeah getting as much information out for both sexes yeah. is
1: important it is and I think the more information that there, that a woman has and that um, you know employers, everybody has about menopause and what support can help um the less you, ha- the less you have to think about it.
0: I I mean, ha- in, in, in your own personal experience, I mean, had you done, you, you, you explained it, what happened to you and, and, and the onset of menopause in your thirties, in your forties, had you given it a great deal of thought? No, I hadn't. Yeah.
1: The only thing I remember thinking was, I dreaded it because of the scare stories that I'd heard. Mm. Um, there are a lot of scare stories out there and I didn't think um, HRT was an option because of the you know the the headlines that Mm. we read Um, I didn't think that um, I I, you know my mother had didn't have a particularly good time and I put it out of my head I didn't really want to know about it and I still talk to women now who just say oh I'll deal with it when I need to deal with it Mm. but there's something else here that's really important and that's that menopause isn't just about managing those symptoms. That is really important for, to get that under control. It's, you know, it, it's, it's vital that a woman has that information so she can make those choices about how she manages the menopause symptoms. Perimenopause, which is the time leading up to menopause, is when those symptoms can start. So that's really important that you can manage those symptoms so you can get on with your life. But there is the other um, part of menopause which is so important. And that's about long-term health. Mm-hmm. So during when we start um, on that journey of menopause, what is happening in our bodies that I didn't know about and a lot of women now do know more about, thank goodness, our hormones, of those reproductive hormones, are fluctuating. Estrogen—if you think roller coaster—I'm doing this; you can't see me, but <laughs> <laughs> think roller coaster. Um, you know, we say that at, at, at HMP menopause in the workplace training. You know, think that we give the infographic and in it of how estrogen fluctuates throughout menopause mm. before it does decline. Um, progesterone declines um, more more rapidly and um, doesn't fluctuate as much so these hormones have simply hundreds of functions throughout our bodies we have estrogen receptors throughout our bodies in our brain all all over the place and 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 they have lots of jobs to do if you know that estrogen is responsible for regulating body temperature Mm. then it follows that the body's thermostat isn't going to be working as well. And you get?
0: The hot flush. The
1: hot flush, which is a very common symptom. 75% of women get hot flushes Mm -hmm. and night sweats. So it, you kind of are. Oh, so that's why we get hot flushes. Progesterone um, is about you know our nourishing, smoothing, you know smoothing, nourishing the tissues of the of the body. So then that affects our skin, our hair, our nails. It also promotes sleep. So a lot of women say that they you know they have problems mm. with sleep. Um, so you start to realize that there are some real you know consequences. There, it's, you know these these things that are happening to our bodies are having consequences. Yeah. And that's why we have our symptoms. But not only the symptoms, if you think of those hormones having all those functions and then suddenly not having having as much oestrogen, the adrenal glands do start producing oestrogen and help out the ovaries. But oestrogen is also responsible for heart health and bone health. And so as that declines, we are more at risk from things like osteoporosis. And cardiac issues. So, And that can happen a long time after menopause. I was speaking to a woman yesterday, and she said she had osteoporosis. She was 67, she'd have, I, and she'd been following me for a while. She said, if only I'd known what you're telling me 20, 25 years ago. Because, you know, perhaps there were little changes in my lifestyle choices that I could have made that would have made a difference now. Perhaps I could have made choices about how I manage my menopause and what route I went down to to manage my menopause and long-term health, perhaps those um, I, I wouldn't be in this position now. That really makes me cross that we haven't had that information and that some women still aren't given that openly and readily and that we've got to still work at it, we've still got to do that work for ourselves. Um, and, and you know, nice guidelines brought out uh, menopause guidelines in two thousand and fifteen for, for GPs, and they've been updated. I think the tw- spring of this year. GPs didn't have that guidance beforehand, they had and not it's taken. Nothing. Well, I mean, I suppose there were, there must have been, but there wasn't but, specific guidance in men- of how to support a woman and how to, you know, treat a woman through menopause and manage amazing. her symptoms. It's quite staggering, isn't it? And it goes back to the, the urgency or and why we need it now, and how the demographic is changing in the workforce, mm. and the kind of, you know, it's much more of a priority. But I think that, that, you know, that that is so unfair, isn't it? Because even if you're not working, you should be given that information um, early on so that you can make choices about, you know, as I said, you know, which route you take, whether it's HRT, whether it's the natural sort of complementary therapy route, um, whether you decide to actually, you know, I, perhaps I should do a little bit more exercise a little bit. Um, perhaps I could just modify my diet a bit. Perhaps I could step up on, you know, on various things that that just little changes over time can make a big impact to your long-term health.
0: Which brings this all back to that issue about preparation and if the conversation starts back in schools so young girls, young women know the options then they can perhaps manage dietary issues through their 30s and 40s.
1: I mean, we, we know that, don't we, that exercise and healthy living and eating healthily and, you know, lots of veg, fruit and veg, and we know that that's going to do us good anyway. Mm. But I think when you've got a really, a really strong reason to say that, you know, when someone's turning around and saying, actually, I may not have bone issues now, I may mm. not have heart issues now, I may not... Um, be feeling unwell now and I could have a really, you know, I could have had a much healthier post-menopause yeah. had I known this. It kind of gives impetus to the whole yeah. conversation.
0: Yeah. Prior to, to your website and the, the, the work that Hen Pict has done, was everything very fragmented? Was the information, I know you're trying to pull things yes. together in one yes. place, but, but, but prior to that was it all very... And so you, you're, also, well, you're also dealing with the comics who sort of see it as something mm. funny.
1: So fragmented information and in comics, yeah, really interesting points. When I was looking four years ago, I really struggled to find information. Mm. I, I have to say that there, there was a book that I um, was given in my late 40s by my sister-in-law um, called The Wisdom of Menopause by Dr. Christiane Northrup. Still, a brilliant, you know, it's still brilliant, and she's brought out a lot of information since, and a lot of books since, which I enjoy. She has a very clear philosophy, and I sort of take the bits of it from it that I that I uh, that resonate with me, um, and that I find useful. But the information out there wasn't, yes, it was fragmented, but it was limited, very, very limited. And what I found moving forward from that time, and it's not that long ago, is it really, (laughs) is that things have really galloped forward. Things have changed, and there's a lot of information out there. And that is good, but there is a danger of of there being some information out there which isn't perhaps as accurate as as other information. So I think it's what I'm really careful about, is that anything I write about, anything I talk about, I check it. I'm a member of the British Menopause Society, and and I, you know, I, I source everything, and I, and I go back and make sure that you know that is the latest information. I'm always given updates, so so yes, fragmented information, yes, inaccurate information, mm-hmm. lack of information. That's what I found really, yeah. and I, and and, you know, e- even speaking to medical professionals there was confusion it's always useful to ask actually who in the practice um has an interest or a special specialism is perhaps asking for too much perhaps not and there are some brilliant um gps out there who do have an interest in women's health and menopause but i think that's useful to find out who they are then the other subject you mentioned there was was um the comics Mm. i can remember sitting in in a senior management meeting um with just males and um, and having a hot flush, feeling the hot flush come over me. At the time, when I was sitting there having that hot flush, and you know, I was feeling anxious about it. Mm-hmm. There is a sense of embarrassment, you know, you don't it's not a good look, you know, yeah. suddenly getting sweaty. Um, I got my fan out. And I can remember making a bit of a joke of it to get through it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want people to think I I was less of a person because of it. Isn't that awful to think mm. that? But I actually did think, I, I can still do that. I'm not silly, you know, I'm not, um, you know, women at menopause, I, I can do it. And that's awful, and that's about our society, our culture, how we view things. I mean, we do have a skewed view of age anyway, I believe, mm. in our society. And I think that, you know, perhaps, you know, that's tied up in with menopause, you know, getting, mm. a, a ageing, and but, you know... I mean, that goes back to how you know life expectancy and, and lifestyles now, which is very mm. different. But I think that you know, making a joke, women sometimes do that to cover up, and I would say, don't do that. Mm. If I could tell myself that, um, it's We're not off. to be ashamed of, it's not to be embarrassed about. It's you know, it's something that, and I think that if you're not, if you know that in that room, if I'd known that in that room, those men had the information about menopause, they understood about it. Well, I probably wouldn't have had a hot flush in the first place because mm. I'd have had the, the treatment, I'd have had the support. Um, maybe somebody who'd been trained there could have just said, um, let's all have a comfort break, five minute comfort break, I, I, could, I could do with the fresh air some fresh air. Yeah. And that takes the pressure off, takes the spotlight off the women and, and you can move on.
0: Mm. And again, we're back to information, we're back to having the conversation, making it a- one that's not embarrassing, one yes. that's, yeah, one, yeah, of, one people are, are comfortable to yes.
1: have. Yes, Deborah Garlick said she wants to make talking about menopause as, as, as every day as talking about the weather. Mm. And I think, you know, we've got a long way to go to get to that point, but we're certainly on the right pathway. We're certainly aiming there. You know, we, we, we do still have a lot of work to do, but we're getting there. And I think more women do feel more able to have those conversations and hopefully, through the training that we offer, those uh, perceptions of change and employers do have the support and confidence to lead those conversations as well.
0: And every journey has to start somewhere.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I mean, the, on, that, <coughs> on that journey, some of the, the things that you've talked about, I look back to some sort of your other women's issues for want of a better expression, but if you look at the way that, the advertising of period products, for example, on television and in, and in mainstream yeah. magazines <clears throat> has become much more commonplace over the last 20 years. You know, I, I, I can just imagine the look in my mother's face, for example, if, if, if there been <laughs> those sort of adverts on television. But if you, if you look at how that's moved forward, mm. and if that can continue up the age range and start to deal with menopausal issues in the same yes. way, then that could only be a good thing.
1: Yes. A story came to mind, which isn't menopause related, but kind of, I think it just reiterates that sort of, um, uh, that, that classic way of, of, of feeling mm. and, and how people respond. And I remember I was breastfeeding my son, um, and, uh, my, I put the breast pad on the table next to me. I was in, in my parents' home and my father put his drink on it. <laughs> And um, when I told him it wasn't a coaster, he um he was so embarrassed. And I think that's a similar yep it's a, a similar response, isn't it? Yes. And it's about you know, talking about these things. you know, why should we be about, embarrassed about that? You know, yep. women are breastfeeding in public now, and then, and you know, it's the most natural thing in the world. Yep. Um, all these sort of embarrassing conversations um are changing. Um, And they need to change. And I think that, uh, yes, adverts are changing and um, social media has has helped with that, hasn't it?
0: And again, just listening to so much of what you've said, it's about making sure people have the information, they have the right information. Yes. And that starts to demystify things.
1: Yes, it does, absolutely. Um, Brings it out in the open. Um, it's oh menopause oh yeah okay <laughs> you know um, so how am I going to manage that and that that's really important because I'm never going to um, and and you know I don't think we don't I never tell people what they should or shouldn't be doing um, and I'm not a medical person mm-hmm. what I'm about is research um, and sharing information writing or speaking about it uh, or training and it's Giving women all the information they need that is accurate, um, that will allow them to make informed choices about the symptoms and about their long-term health.
0: And presumably, like so many other things in life, no two women are going to have the same you know, menopause.
1: We are all so different. Um, if you think about, you know, how we, how women, you know, manage, have managed, or how young girls, um, you know, in puberty, you know, women women's periods are also different Mm. some women have awful problems with their periods other women you know no problems And again, with with pregnancies, every pregnancy is different, Mm. every birth is different. You know, I was sort of in bed for a week, um, enjoying um, being waited on with my baby for a week after I gave (laughs) birth. A friend of mine um, gave birth and then brought the child to sports day that day, the the same day. (laughs) So we're all so different. And it's the same with menopause. Um, You know, every woman is unique Mm. and every menopause is as unique as she is. And I think it's about respecting that.
0: And of course, it's not just a woman's issue because it's touching the men and her wife as well. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, and, um, you know, my poor husband has had, uh, not now, fortunately, um, because I manage my symptoms, but um, has had many a sleepless night um, and suffered insomnia with me. Mm. Um, You know, he, he... he was always the, the, I mean, and often I hear this that women are colder when they're younger mm. than, than men, and men are always sort of a bit hot, always turning the heat down, yeah. and women want to turn it up. That was, that was me and, and my husband, but now it's, it's a bit, we reverse roles, you know. Um, but I think that it does affect our partners, male or female, uh, whoever we're sleeping with, it, it can have a huge impact. And if they are working and have got to get up and go to work, as well it's going to affect their lives too. Um, it, it puts a huge amount of pressure or can put a huge amount of pressure on relationships um, as well in some situations and I think that that is something that you know people often need support with. Uh, knowing that information is sometimes enough and then you can work together on that. But it's, and, and not just partners, but families. You know, um, women sort of 45, 55, of that sort of sandwich generation often still have children at home, often caring for parents. Mm. Um, so it affects everybody within that, you know, family. And I think, if, you know, if young children, teenagers um, know what their, you know, what their mothers are going through and understand that. That can really help to ease pressures there. Um, and... Um, and get some empathy, <laughs> <laughs> and the odd breakfast in bed, hopefully. Um, so that's important. And then you know, um, my mother, you know, has, has sort of been really interested in in, in listening to my menopause story mm. because she had a bad time. So she will talk about the terrible migraines that she had. Now mm. mer- many women go through menopause, and actually the migraines they had when they were younger will go when mm. they're in menopause. So it just depends. But she really suffered badly, um, and so. It's interesting from from many different points of view. But But did
0: she ever discuss that with you before?
1: (laughs) No, she didn't, is the answer to that. She hid it. Yes. She hid it from us. I think that menopause is is a time of opportunity as well. Mm. A lot of women talk about the zest for life Mm post-menopause, and there are, I think, in many women's uh, post-menopausal lives... Um, they see that as time of opportunity, time for change, time for new, um, you know, exploring new ideas and thoughts and maybe even careers and that does happen a lot. Mm. So I think it's, it's a big wake up call and it's a really, it can be, once you've got things under control, a very uh, liberating time.
0: Which again is a huge turnaround from 100 years ago when you yes. were talking about menopause being the beginning of the end absolutely. and now it's the start of new yeah, opportunities.
1: Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Excellent.
0: A good point to leave this on. And we look forward to reading your columns in the coming months, which thank will you. deal with a, a, a whole range of... of
1: yes, absolutely. Of yes, yes.
0: That's yes. super. Jane, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Stuart.